everyone, and welcome to a slightly under the weather screen test of time. This is the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture in order and then tell you if the Academy chose the right movie that year. This week we are rounding out the 1929-30 year with The Big House, which is a movie about jail. Yep. I'm I'm your other under the weather host David Daw. Oh right, and I'm Susan Araslin. <laughs> and both of us feel like garbage on opposite coasts. And fans of minor the divorcee characters are going to be just out of their minds happy this week cuz fucking <laughs> Don's back everybody and this time he's going to break out of prison and fuck your sister. It's a big week for Dawn. It is, yeah. I mean, I really feel like Chester Morris is, even in the divorcee, was going to break out of jail and fuck your sister. Yeah, but like this one makes it makes it explicit. And also, to be clear, I like Chester Morris in this, and I also kind of liked Dawn, even though Dawn was a cad, because people don't say cad <laughs> enough anymore. Uh, the movie itself, though, Susan, I cannot decide if this movie has not nearly enough plot or, like, three seasons of television worth of plot stuffed into 100 and... <laughs> it is such a weird movie. I feel like we say it's a weird movie every week. Or maybe it's just because I've been editing from the beginning and Seventh Heaven was a really weird movie. This feels way more like those first couple of movies that we watched where it was like, how do movies work again? Like, I don't, what is... How do we applaud? <laughs> I've got to say there were a couple of times in the middle of this movie where I was going to like, because I didn't feel very well skip ahead like five, ten minutes because I thought I knew what was going to happen. And every time I did, I was like, wait, holy shit, did I skip half an hour of this movie? What the, like, literally I skipped forward four minutes and the main character had completely broken out of prison and had started a romance with a female character, like, who was then totally fucking in love with him. And I was like, how did I, did... Is this movie three hours long and I skipped a full hour of it? How was that four minutes of the movie? It definitely had a lot of similarities to the first year movies in that respect, where things moved at such a clip that it, it did have a very strange balancing act between there's not enough plot here and there's way too much to be covered in an hour and a half. To be fair, it was an hour and a half, yeah. So that was pretty great about it. Also, the acting was more naturalistic and more like we figured out how to act on camera than the earlier movies. Also, it's not silent, so you don't have to mug as much. <laughs> yeah. Uh... But yeah, we should probably go over th the plot that there is, which you can totally sketch out an outline of very quickly. So this guy, Kent, who is like, he's what, 24? Y yeah is sentenced to 10 years in prison for manslaughter because he kills somebody in a drunk driving accident. And he ends up in this very, very tiny cell with Butch, who is like a career criminal gangster type. Mm -hmm. And Morgan, who is Chester Morris, back from last week. And Morgan was like a 
thief for a... It's not terribly clear. Like, he's in for robbery, right? He, he's established as in for robbery, but then at the very end, when you're reading the newspapers about how he got pardoned, he is established as a, uh, a, a art... Shit, that thing where you copy art. He does forgery. He does forgery, which is yeah. the number one sexiest type of crime. Oh, absolutely. Just to establish why Kent's sister, like, immediately is like, yeah, it's fine, my brother's dead, let's go off to fucking Central America together. He is at least the sexiest kind of criminal. Right, so you think at the beginning that this movie is gonna be about Kent yep. and his journey through prison, and you would be wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, boy, it's not. Anyway, Kent has a hot sister and has a photo of her in his wallet that they let him keep while he's in jail, which Morgan picks out of his pocket, because Morgan is basically Lupin the Third. Yeah. Again, sexiest type of criminal ever. <laughs> and is like, oh, wow, your sister is really hot. Then Butch gets thrown in solitary, as does Morgan, and Butch is fine except like i mean he's he's not fine he's like obviously a mess because he's been in solitary for a month but morgan almost dies but apparently he was playing possum so that he could sneak out of the prison by swapping places with an actual dead prisoner yeah so he gets carried out of the prison believed to be dead and then he goes to visit kent's hot sister who works in a bookstore? Who owns a bookstore. I do not get how Kent's family works at all. And once we're done with the plot synopsis, I want to deal with that for like an hour. But like, let's, she owns a bookstore. <laughs> right. She owns a bookstore. She also has a gun on her. Mm -hmm. And she's gotten a letter from Kent that's like, Morgan blames me for him getting put in solitary. So he might have to like, he might come and find you to take revenge on me. But in fact, Morgan has come because he has the hots for her, and then he gets a job, they fall in love, he visits her family, who all seem to really like him, and then is like, nope, I'm gonna go back to prison and serve out my time. Which he then does, and then there's a prison riot that Butch starts, and he thinks th that Morgan, like, ratted him out to the warden but it turns out it was ken butch dies when the tanks come in to like break up the riot uh, yep he and morgan like as they're both on the floor bleeding from being shot morgan is like i didn't do it and some rando off screen is like no it was ken who ratted you out and then butch is like of course we're buds and then butch dies morgan gets pardoned and then he walks out of jail looking straight up like a character out of an F. Scott Fitzgerald novel into the arms of Hot Sister. Yeah. The end. Yeah. Which, like, one, I want to take a moment to talk about how tacked on that ending feels. <laughs> how much it felt like he totally died in the fucking prison riot with everyone else. To the point where I was like, the arm? It really didn't seem like he got shot in the arm. I mean, he's also limping. Yeah. So maybe he got shot in a lot of places. Yeah. But to me, like, the big thing that I want to talk about is, like, first of all, Kent is awful. All Kent ever does is, like, inform on people. And, like, badly. Like, I'm not... <laughs> 
I'm white enough that I don't have anything against snitches, like, necessarily, but he's shitty at it. Immediately, like, goes to tell the guards when his cellmate took his, like, smokes five seconds after meeting his cellmates. He is super duper bad at being a snitch. That is true. But the other (laughs) thing that is so fucking weird about it is, like, all anybody ever says is, like, Kent, you're lucky. They got a family. They care about you. But, like, his family does not seem at all concerned that Kent is in prison when you go see them. Like, fucking at all. They are really happy this other guy who is a, like, career criminal is hooking up with his sister. (laughs) They are remarkably forgiving about all other criminals. And with Kent, they're like, I don't know, man, we tried to talk to the governor. There's nothing else we can do. Maybe just serve your time for ten years, see how it goes. (laughs) Like, to be fair, he killed somebody because he was driving while drunk. I mean... Good. He should serve his time. Not that I'm, like, happy about prison. Prison is bad. But if anyone's gonna serve time, it should be the guy who actually killed somebody rather than the guy who's an art forger. Yeah. It is weird, the moral philosophy of this movie, which I guess we can kind of get into now in that same way, of, like... Yeah, this movie is, like, weirdly kind of progressive about who belongs in jail and what jail is like. But, like, on really narrow, weird terms where I can't quite tell if it's intentional or not. The other one of those was the scene, like, super early on in the movie where the prison warden and the old Irish cop are like, Yeah, prison system's fucked, man. Too many criminals. Not enough time. Yeah, they actually say, like, the prison system is bad. Yeah. Like, literally say The prison system is bad and overcrowded and there will be a reckoning. And then, to me, the most, like, accurate thing about that is the part where immediately afterward they both go, yeah, and shrug and go back to doing their job in the horrible overcrowded prison system without question for essentially (laughs) the rest of the movie. I kept looking at this and seeing, I guess, sort of necessarily parallels with with Orange is the New Black where you have like the kindly warden who really wants to be able to do more for the prisoners but can't yeah but is still complicit in a system that is really bad actually and then the prisoners themselves are the ones who are who are sympathetic and it makes sense that they want to break out because shit is bad Yeah. The cell that they share between the three of them, I live in a New York City apartment, and we have a closet that's bigger than that. Like, quite literally. They do a really good job of, like, making prison seem shitty. Like, there's this weird thing where essentially nothing happens plot-wise for the first half of this film. Almost nothing happens. Because really, you are spending a shit ton of time in just, like, really sucks to be a prisoner. You'd probably riot. Here's the part where they riot. Like, they just, like, spend a shit ton of time on, like, the food sucks, everybody's a jerk, you don't have enough space, people are threatening you constantly, and it's kind of, like, from a 2017 point of view, like, yeah, I know I know prison movies. But also, it's like, I kind of respect the commitment to that rather than, like, Butch's inner life, I guess. Like, I don't know what we would be spending time on. Like, I guess we would be spending time on, like, setting up the escapes better. 
this this shit ain't Ocean's Eleven. No. Like, all of the escape <laughs> plans are like, here's the plan. You see that gate? Yeah. Somebody's going to open the gate, and then we're going to run through the gate. <laughs> Brilliant. There is no, like, step three of any escape plan from this prison. It's, it, not, it's not even Ocean's Eleven. It's not The Rock. Yeah. Which I, I understand they break in in The Rock, but still, like... Yeah, it doesn't even have, like, that level of, like, commitment to the ideas. Like, it doesn't... That plan doesn't make sense, but it's a complex plan. This plan just isn't a complex plan at all. I mean, I went into this movie expecting that it was going to be a lot more difficult to watch than it was. I guess because All Quiet on the Western Front made me feel like, oh, a movie that takes a serious topic seriously is going to be rough. And it somehow manages to, like, make the point that prison is bad and that the way that prisons are run are not good and that prisoners should are still human and should have rights and not crappy food and be sleeping basically on top of each other without being brutal to watch. And I'll give it that. And I think part of it is that, like, there's this weird unreality to the not-prison parts of this movie. The part where Morgan has broken out, it is... Again, maybe it's just fucking Kent's family is super weird. It is remarkably easy to get a job as an escaped convict and to hang out with apparently fucking old as shit money, judging by that house they were in. Like, just whenever you want to. Kent's dad basically looks like a robber baron. Yeah. (laughs) And is, again, not only unconcerned, but trying to hook his daughter up with, I think the entire family knows, an escaped convict. I guess it's ambiguous whether anybody but her knows for sure, but, like, it feels like the kind of thing that it would take, like, three minutes of research for you to go, oh, yeah, he's... Or just, like, conversation. He's my son's escaped cellmate. (laughs) He's not even an escaped... An escaped convict with a wanted poster. He's the one who was living with your son for a few months. And didn't take him with him. Yeah. The whole middle part of it with the love story is the part of it where I was like, why is this here? Is this just to make a palatable movie? It's, why is this here? And it's also just like, from the time that they get thrown into solitary to the time where a literal prison riot starts is 25 minutes of the movie. And in that time, Morgan escapes, we meet new characters who are chasing Morgan, Anne figures out that Morgan is there to get revenge against Kent, decides to forgive him, falls in love with him, he gets a job, we check back in with the people who are, like, chasing Morgan. Morgan and Anne are thoroughly in love and the whole family approves, Morgan goes back to prison, and we do an entire second prison escape plotline that turns into a prison riot in half the time we spent establishing that prison is bad and the main three male characters know each other. That's pretty much what we establish in the first 40 minutes. That is definitely how fast everything goes. Which is the thing where it really makes me feel like they shot this movie, Morgan escapes, There was probably something in the middle of, like, what prison was like while Morgan was gone. And then Morgan comes back and there's a prison riot. And, like, they showed it to the studio. And the studio was, 
you know, some cigar chomping guy was like, well, where's the dame? Yeah. And then they shot a separate movie that was just this short story about Morgan breaking out, falling in love with Anne, and vice versa, and then deciding to go on the straight and narrow and serve his time. See, my pitch was going to be that Anne was always in the movie, but it definitely felt to me like this was a two and a half hour, like, bleak tragedy about how, like, the prison system chews up everybody inside of it and there is no way out. And instead they were like, can't he get together with the girl at the end? Maybe have some, like, maybe set up more that they're, like, in love. And then at the end, Morgan is pardoned for being such a good criminal. He was shot, like, 18 (laughs) times. Well, cut out some of the times he got shot. And then just have her waiting for him at the door when he gets out of prison. Yeah, I can kind of feel that too. Because it really could have gone either way, you know? Like, this could have been a longer movie that developed that. Yeah. And maybe it did. And maybe, like, there are ashes somewhere of the cuts that they made and burned. (laughs) But it does definitely feel like it got cut down so much that the bit in the middle is, like, almost, like, with a totally different director. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like a totally different movie when he's out of prison which i guess like thematically makes sense but like yeah like the sets feel like they were built at a different time like it really does feel like a pickup shoot in a weird way when he is escaped from prison (laughs) that is exactly what it feels like though i mean i didn't hate it and when i compare it to almost every other movie in this year i think it's definitely better than love parade yeah I mean, first of all, just the politics of this movie are so much more progressive than anything else that we watched other than All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. And this was definitely a year for, like, nebulously not great politics. Yes. I would agree with you that I think this is... I mean, if we're into the, like, rating portion, I would say, like, this is the second best movie that we watched this year. From 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 yeah. this year. From the 1929-1930 academy awards and like i also liked it okay the pacing was weird in a way where it was like i'm bored i'm bored everything is happening none of it makes sense what the (laughs) shit but like i like wasn't bored like i was during like even god i was bored during like a lot of wings and i was bored (laughs) Oh, God, I was born in old Arizona. Like, nothing happened in old Arizona ever. Oh, God. In old Arizona, I wasn't bored during in old Arizona because I was so enraged for all of it. Yeah, that makes some sense. But also, like, that's a different year. I mean, so not judging necessarily by the other movies in this year, just what what would be your star rating for for this one? From our 10 star, 1 to 10 star system that yes. we've been using? I guess I would give this, like six stars i would give i I would give this a six out of ten which i think makes it the second best movie that we watched this year still maybe i would go higher what did we give all quiet like i think i gave it a nine or at least an eight i think i gave it and i think we both gave it an eight in which case maybe i would give this a seven but i kind of want some there were some definite really nice shots in it the spiral staircases in the prison they really use those to great effect. That's fair. The scene where they're in the church was a really, really nice shot. I liked the church stuff. I really liked the, the like, 
mess hall stuff. Yeah, I think the mess hall part was really good, too. There was a lot of, now that we have cameras and know what to do with them, we can take these really sweeping shots of coordinated action instead of just, like, there's extras running around. Yeah, no, this was definitely, like, a really good movie for crowd shots, and also there was an actual tank. So yeah, I'll give this movie a 7. There were two tanks, right? I Were there two tanks, or was it just the same tank that looked slightly different on interior sets? I couldn't quite tell. They did have an actual tank, though. It was a well-made movie in one sense. Like, literally in the sense of shooting it, and and the sound was good, but the pacing was not great and was sort of nonsensical so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna give it like a six and a half okay yeah i'm somewhere in there too where i'm like i can't decide between a six and a seven so like a six and a half makes sense the other thing i want to say about this movie is like the acting was good and across the board like even kent who i hated as a character was a good actor yeah and so like really the only thing i can say against it is like really weird pacing really weird romance plot to the romance plot like Layla Hyams sells me on it. I absolutely believe that she is crazy in love with this guy that she's known for 45 seconds yeah. uh, of screen time. <laughs> yep. Like, everybody's really good. I actually thought during it, you know, that All Quiet on the Western Front may be a better movie in a certain sense. It is certainly more ambitious. But the acting in this was better because it was very naturalistic in a realist movie. I would agree with that. Part of that is just also that there were so many more characters in All Quiet on the Western Front. They just, like, can't all be winners because there's, like, 37 different German guys that you have to get to know. But yes, I would agree that, like, everybody who had more than, like, a line or two in this movie I thought did a great job. I thought the cinematography was really pretty good, at least. Um, And that, like, yeah, the politics of it weren't, like dear god fuck this movie the politics of it were actually pretty progressive because there were a number of places where there were clearly people who were imprisoned simply by virtue of the fact that they had some kind of psychological or developmental disorder or like were people that that society kind of didn't know what to do with so they just threw them in jail i guess my like complaint was at least implied exactly i guess like this is a weird complaint to go like they should beat us over the head with the moral more. But there were a couple of moments where I was like, does the movie, like, know it's being progressive or does it just think it's funny this guy is wall-eyed? And calls roaches butterflies. Can't quite tell. I'm gonna give it the benefit of the doubt because the rest of the politics were pretty progressive already. Same. I am way less suspicious of the parts of this movie that I think are being progressive than I was in The Divorcee or in The Love Parade. Because, like, the actual general plot of the movie seems to be going along with that. But there are a couple of moments, I guess, where, I, where I'm saying, like, I don't think they handled it super great. But it's also, like, 1930, so, like, how great are they going to handle it? The whole prison part of it and the politics of it feel very much like... They feel like a newspaper op-ed or, like, a human interest story about prisoners. Yes. Where it's like... Oh, and then there's this guy who has this thing, and then on to the next person, so that it shows the spectrum of people who have ended up here, that it's like hardened criminals, but also people that just didn't have any chances otherwise. Yeah, this movie has pretty good progressive politics for a, like, 1930s prison movie. There's some stuff that it's still weird about, 
and there's some stuff that it is just weird about. Like, again, like, it doesn't seem to have a super great handle on, like, what life outside of prison is like for prisoners in general. Like, I would say also that, like, last scene with the warden is kind of weird. Right, where he tells him to, you know, hard work and whatever is going to be good for you. In a very paternal, like, I'm glad to see you go and I've always been a good guy. There is definitely a, like, I was always rooting for you, Morgan, thing of that last scene in a, like, really, bro? Really? Yeah, I'm gonna take issue with the idea that, uh, and, and that Morgan would accept that. Yeah. Just outright of like, thanks, thanks, Pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, like six and a half, seven, like above average movie. Really pretty good. Yeah. Our inverse movie quality to poster quality rule remains in effect. Yeah, it, it has yet to be disproven. It's bad news for next week. But first we should get to, we should get to yes. two things. One, should people watch this movie? Um, uh, it's rough. Like there are parts of it. Listen, if you're doing this project like with us. If you want to watch the ones that we're watching, except for when you absolutely fucking won't be able to stand it, this movie's pretty good. Yeah. But also, it's not like... It's not like if you fucking watched The Great Escape, but don't watch this movie, you've really lost out on something in your life. This isn't a waste of your time, but it is also not something I would fucking assign in film school, if that makes sense. Like... I wouldn't make a person watch this, but if a person watched it, they didn't waste their life, which I would say they did if they watched in old Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I I would say, like, if you're stuck at home and, uh, and you've got a cold, for example, and it comes on Turner Classic Movies, you don't need to expend the energy to reach for the remote. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> you're going to have a fine hour and a half. <laughs> If your grandpa wants to watch this on Turner Classic Movies, tell him that's okay. <laughs> yeah, and like you can sit there and not mind it, you know. It'll be a nice bonding experience for you and your grandpa. Seek it out? Nah, I don't think you need to. Yeah. I wouldn't avoid it like the plague. It's not a must-see. But to be fair, I don't know that All Quiet on the Western Front is a must-see either. Yeah, I'm not sure. Have we watched anything yet that I would argue is a must-see? Actually, All Quiet on the Western Front is probably the closest to that. Yeah, I think if you are a casual movie fan who just likes to watch movies, don't watch All Quiet on the Western Front because it is a fucking bummer. Yeah. If you're like a film connoisseur, then it's probably a must watch. Yeah. But I would say Wings is if you're a film history connoisseur. That's also probably fair. Like, I guess what I'm arguing is that this category, if this category is should people watch it, then no. If this category is can people watch it, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Without being mad at us. Yeah. Can people watch it? Without being pissed off at us. Yes. And I would say that actually goes for, like, most of the movies in this year. Yeah, I, I, I would... I like they all have a redeeming quality. I would agree with that, but, like, I would say, I guess, in retrospect, like, I don't remember Disraeli, like, at all. Like, I remember, like, three shots of him sitting on a bench and, like the Suez Canal being said by everyone 30 times. And I remember fucking nothing else about that film. <laughs> and it's been a, it's been a month. Well, it's been longer than a month because we took yeah, some breaks. Like f- 
five weeks, but, yes. But, like, I, but still. But everything else, like, yeah, at least has the decency to fucking stick in my mind. I don't like the divorcee, and I have my problems with the love parade, but, like, yeah, I at least remember watching those films a couple of weeks later. Which was not the case with the Hollywood Review of 1929. I, I, which I was forgetting as I watched it. <laughs> I future forgot it. Yeah. But of course that was in a different year. So thus far, this has been the closest that any of the movies have been to to each other. Yeah. While still having far and away the obvious winner, which is going to be All Quiet on the Western Front. So good job, Academy. You did it. Again. Yeah, they're three for three. I'm really impressed that the like Oscars three straight fucking years managed to pick the right Best Picture nominee. Well, we don't know that for sure. We haven't watched The Patriot because no one has, which is probably a pretty good sign that the Broadway melody's better. But also, like, The Patriot is not in an extant form anymore, so we can't watch it and say for sure that the Broadway melody... No one thought it was good enough to save. Yeah. <laughs> Despite being nominated. Yeah. Remember when the in the 1927-1928 year when we were like, is it a bonus episode or just something we discuss? I feel like I, this year is the year where we're like, it's definitely just a thing we discuss. Like, how do we make a bonus episode? It's just a thing we discuss. Like, how could it possibly be its own episode? It's just like, well, one of these is like a real, pr- like, kind of a classic. People still fucking force you to watch it in school. It's really good. <laughs> It does a lot of things right that literally no movie we've watched so far does right. And then the other movies are pretty good. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. That means that we're on to the next year where the Academy actually gets it right rule is going to be directly at odds with our good posters always mean the movie shit rule right off the bat. (laughs) That is true. Because we are going to watch Cimarron, which I assume is how you pronounce it. We're gonna find out. And the poster for Cimarron is intense. It is incredible. It is like if everything about a cheap fantasy paperback and a cheap romance paperback had a baby, that would be this movie. I think I said this as we were- Or it's poster. I think we said this after we stopped recording last time. But the poster has the most setting you up for disappointment tagline of all fucking time. Because the tagline is TERRIFIC AS ALL CREATION in all caps above like fucking Indiana Jones with his shirt ripped off. (laughs) Like protecting a woman on the like from the moon and also a ghost cloud full of like western settlers. The poster is so intense and promises so much and cannot possibly deliver on one-tenth of it. I don't know that I've ever seen a film ever that would deliver on this poster, so I'm very excited to see how disappointing it is. Yeah. And which rule is broken next week. Yeah. So you will have to tune in and find out if the Academy dropped the ball this time, or if posters and good movies... Finally got it together. ...can coexist. (laughs) Until then. Until next time. This was a movie. I feel so bad. I could let me down. And I, you can say what you do. But I'm all confused. I've got the sweet.